I recorded a podcast with David Mintz. David Mintz is a real estate agent, um, and we talked about why why real estate agents are uh, are hated. Why do people don't like real estate agents? What maybe they should do, um, and just talk talked about all different things, um, including online world, TikTok. Don't know how that got into the conversation. But we talked quite a lot in this podcast, uh, and I thought it was a quite an interesting podcast. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is David. David, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? Right. Um, so yeah, most people know me as a local estate agent. Um, I've been involved in in property pretty much all all my life since I used to go to school with uh, Ellie's dad. So I started uh, my first job in property was uh, after school, um, age of sixteen. Back in those days, estate agents didn't have colour printers. We used to send off the photos to get developed and they came back with like sticky back. So my job was to stick photos of houses onto detail sheets for, for hours uh, after school and that's kind of like the uh, first thing that I, that I did. I'm pretty much stuck with that my, my entire career um, until recently sort of diversified slightly, all still within in property but it's yeah, it, it's all been Dealing with local property, sort of. I was born in in uh, in Salford, so not not far down the road from here at the moment. And I've worked and and lived in sort of North Manchester all my life. Yeah. And I loved I'd love to go into that because it's very interesting. And I've also like seen your social media. Just a step back first. Sure. Um. To to how can we even on the podcast? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, well, hats off to you guys because I I got sent this. Uh, I got sent one of your podcasts to have a look at. Um, and it always catches your eye when you see people kind of out, out of context. So it's people that you know, but they're, they're in a more sort of recognisable format, I suppose. Um, so I watched a couple, and I think one of the interviews that I watched that kind of resonated with me most was the one that you did with Gav Cohen. And I just thought that, well, two things. I think Gav is, a, is an amazing guy for talking about the experiences that he's had. Um, and it's rare for us to be quite as open and honest within any community, but particularly within our community, um, to be that open and honest about the things and the struggles that we've been through. Um, I don't think people like to show their vulnerability, but I think he was tremendous, like really tremendously honest in coming forward with that. Um, and I'm sure that I and, and plenty of people watching it gained a lot from it. But I also like the, the, the platform that you gave him uh, and I think it's it's amazing that we have we live in the, the this age where every every man and his dog has a podcast, but it's great because I I believe that this is the way that we now learn. Um, we hear other people's experiences and we're able to sort of just pick up on the certain things that they say, even sometimes how they say it. Um, and I think it's it's amazing instead of wasting time listening to things in your car or wherever it is that you don't really want to listen to, you can cherry pick the content that works for you. Um, and I think doing that locally is, is brilliant because it just, it brings out some of the kind of local stars. I'm not saying I'm one of them, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you one. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, then he sent an email and then we uh, got you on. But yeah. Oh, it's very yeah. interesting. So I just reached out to say thank you because I think... Um, I've done quite a few of these podcast things, um, both locally and, and on other things as well. We'll put a link in the description. 
all my podcasts are available. <laughs> Please buy a t-shirt. No. <laughs> um, so all, 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 all that stuff is out there. It's fairly well documented. But I, I know that sometimes the payoff with these things, it, they're enjoyable to do, but they take up time. And you sit there wondering to yourself, does anybody value value it? Is anybody benefiting from it? And every now and again, you'll bump into somebody who'll send you an email or bump yeah. into you in the street and just say, look, I've seen a bit of that. That, you know, it either entertained me or it, it educated me or I've seen something else that I, I wouldn't normally see. Um, I, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, who who can't benefit from other people's life experiences? Um, you know, you, you you stop learning when you do that, and I think podcast is a, is a great way of getting that message out there. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. So now, like you said, it is amazing to learn from people's life experiences. Let's go into yours. <laughs> <laughs> great segue. I mean, um, what do how, you want to know? How did you even get into property in the first place? So. Uh, so really uh, boring part of the story but I was in so we've just said I was in school with your dad and one of the other boys in our class was a, a chap called Jeremy Lopian um, who I think he lives in, in Jerusalem these days um, but Jeremy's mum at the time worked for a local estate agent just down the road here a chap called Jonathan Dines and she had arranged an after school job for him um, and I, I was I was around at their house one day and they were having a bit of a natter and she said to him, look, you know, you've got to stop turning up to these these appointments on time. You need to come to the office at 4.30. That's when you're meant to be there. I bet if I turn around to David and said he should be there at 4.30, he'd be there. <laughs> and I walked through the door at 4.30 on Monday. <laughs> and I ended up sort of taking that job and I've, I never, never looked back. Um, to me, it's quite... Just by accident. Yeah, (laughs) completely by accident. Um, But, you know, it's one of these things that you either have the personality for it, and estate agents all do fit into the same personality. I think if you've got an estate agent that's shy, um, then you've got to start worrying because you need them to be loud and and proud about um, both promoting your property but also everything else that they do. Uh, so for me, it was like a it, it was a, a natural move. I wasn't quite as confident at, at that age at sixteen, but I knew that I liked dealing with people. I knew that I liked um, having conversations with members of the public, and it's one of those. Um, it's one of those professions where you, you end up having loads and loads of conversations and learning all about different people's lives and, and what they need to move at that time. So, yeah, um, ne- never really look back. That's actually quite a cool story. Uh, could you just explain exactly what your job entails and what you kind of do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, sure, sure. So I, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll divide it into three because that's kind of how life is at the moment. Uh, but yeah, so a, a estate agent, um, so the company that I, I work for locally um, is Normie Estate Agents, and that's a, a brand You work there. for, do you? Do you so, work for them, for them, or do you run it? No, so I used to run it. Uh, it used to be mine, and I, I now work for them as a consultant. So I, I uh, helped build that up for sort of 10 and 11 years, and uh, it's now a very much a, a family-run business, and they're great guys. So you sold it? I sold my part in it, yeah, yeah. I got to. I, th- I think it's probably fair enough to say I got to the stage during lockdown and everything else where you kind of reassess your your life options and um, you have that little midlife crisis where you think, what am I doing next? What am I going to do? Um, and yeah, it, it's like an itch you've just got to so, scratch. Was so it a good move then to sell it? 
uh, <laughs> you could say only, only a full sales and estate agency at the height of um, at the height of the market. So I had a very just to quantify that I had a very uh, relatively small share in, in the business but um, the guys that ran it were very good to me over the years and allowed me to participate um, in terms of structuring the business and, and moulding what it became uh, and building it uh, almost on a on like a 50-50 basis so they were very very good about that um, it's a great business and it's it's really it is I, I feel um one of the best, if not the best, estate agencies that, that I've ever worked at um, or had the privilege of working with, and I've, I've seen many. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's been on a journey as well because it was a very old-school brand. It was the sort of brand that your grandparents would have used to sell their house, but it wasn't necessarily the way your mum and dad would sell houses or whether you would. And we had to sort of take that and without trashing the the sort of um, history of and the legacy of that older business, we needed to breathe some new light into it. So this will probably interest you in terms of branding, but it just changed the face of the business. Just even changing the logo ever so slightly every now and again really sort of breathes a new life into it. Um, but we, we also modernised the business a lot. We put systems in place that just made it, it run a bit better. And I think what's what's probably fair is that that if you were to look at most modern estate agencies first of all estate agencies and estate agents in general don't have the best of reputations in the world we're we're something like uh i think fourth most most hated or least trusted profession um and so they they run these polls in the newspaper the whole time and estate agencies are, are normally normally feature high on that list and it's a shame because, you know, we do, done well, it does offer a service that people need and we are very helpful to people. Um, done badly, it brings upon us all the kind of negative stereotypes that you see. Um, and I think that what we've now begun to learn about a state agency is that we are helping people during a, a journey that they're on, which is probably the most one of the most expensive but also the most important journeys of their life. We'll talk about everything that they've got is normally to kind of tied up in bricks and mortar. And we always, when I say we, as an industry, we always used to take that for granted. And because we didn't feel particularly loved and part of this process, we in turn did not love them back. So I think what's changed now is that we've shifted the level of customer experience that people can expect. And they get a truly sort of personalised service that is is modern. It sort of has all all the things that you would expect out of a modern service, but it also cares. Um, and I think that's the difference. If you can if you can get a business to start to care about its client base, you suddenly put passion into the mix as well. It's a very powerful thing, and it, and it makes a business a real sort of force to be reckoned with. And, and luckily. I think that's what we, we did over the sort of last 10 years at, at Normie. Um, so that, that's one part of, of what we do. So I still regularly go out and visit people in, in their homes and sort of value houses and you'll you'll see me marketing their properties. Is this for Normies? So that's for Normie, yes. Yeah, so I presume you spend less time to say. Yeah, far less less time than I originally did. Um, but it's, it's also nice to see that business kind of... It's almost like kids, you, you see them sort of get on their own two feet and it sort of goes off in its own direction, so that, that's good. 
Um, and, and it's lovely to still be in touch with them and still be able to sort of um, have a part in that conversation. So that, that's great. Um, and the other thing that I do is um, I, I work for a company called Kvuffle, and they are a very sort of loud um, brand. Work or you on? No, I work for them. I work for them. Very happy to work for somebody. I'm, I'm quite... I'm, I'm an easy guy. Um, but... Um, and that's interesting because there are people actually who genuinely cannot work for other people. And I think that's either something that you've got or you haven't. So, um, could I, be a good thing, could be a bad thing. It, it can be, it can be. I'm, I quite happily work for somebody else as long as that somebody else can, can put up with me being as loud as I need to be to get the job done. Um, then, then that's cool. Um, but Kvuffle's quite a loud brand in itself and it, it, it's a marketplace for um, prop tech solutions. So there's technology products and services that are sold to estate agents it could be anything from software to services, anything that helps them to do their job better or more efficiently. Um, and there's over 700 suppliers to that marketplace. So it gets very confusing when they're trying to choose what, what they need for their business. So um, it's, it's run by people like me who've got sort of real life experience on the inside of estate agencies. And therefore we're able to sort of make recommendations based on both using the products, but having like an in-depth so that's knowledge a, of a simple understanding does that mean you're basically helping sell we're, help, we're helping them to improve I think everything that we do helps estate agents to improve the level of customer are you just giving them advice on we, we, we give them advice and sell them uh, effectively we will refer them to products so yeah there is a point of sale there um, but there's a tremendous amount that we offer there for free <clears throat> we do a lot of these um, webinars and podcasts where we have conversations with people um, and really try and sort of up the, the standards in, in the industry as a whole. Um, and we have an online learning management platform. So that became very popular and important over lockdown when people couldn't train in person, then they were able to sort of learn and carry on training online. Well, where, um, where do you make the money from? Is it where you make the points so, of so sale? So all of, all, of, all of the money that Kerfuffle will make will be from referral. Oh, um, so they teach yourself it there, just nothing in a marketing company, basically. Correct, what yeah. What about the online thing? Is that the owner or is that someone else's? What do you mean, the online engine of it? The, no, the, you said this online platform, learning platform. Oh, the learning platform, yeah. It's just something that that we developed a lot oh, so along the So that's a good one. You make the most of the money then. Yeah, well, we, we didn't... You know what, to be fair, it's Kerfuffle is a startup business, so it's, it's in its first three years, so it's very much... And in the technology space, these things move very quickly. Um, and that's one of the, the brilliant things. I think during COVID sped everything up for us all. Yeah. So we, you know, people who hadn't for a second thought about doing an online learning management platform suddenly were, were sat there thinking, actually, this will add value to people. They will benefit from it and it will allow us to be positioned within a space that hopefully we can have, you know, conversations with them. Um, so I think it's tremendous what kind of comes out. So it wasn't it, it, you're right. It's not a natural kind of move to just say, okay, we're going we're going to go into training as well. Um, but we did, and it seems to be sort of a, a very good a very good mix of things. Um, and the the sort of third thing that I that I do is um, I have a an asset management company. Um, this one, yeah. Sorry? This, this one. one I do own, yeah. So this one I do own. Um, so I'm an asset management company and effectively 
um, property asset management um, help people that are that usually um, institutional sellers or, or you know for, for argument's sake it can be insolvency practitioners who are dealing with a repossessed property um, or a portfolio of properties that they need to kind of turn around and they've got a remit from either the lender or, or the people themselves um, so over the years I've done I've done that sort of work by being an agent and in fact, going back to sort of, I was thinking about this the other day, going back to sort of that period between 2008 and 2010, when I think a lot of people had problems with their banks because we had this, this massive um, downturn then, yeah, um, the credit crunch, which, which we don't think about anymore. Yeah. But it, as an agent, it was like the retail market had just finished overnight. It was like we were undertakers and everybody had stopped dying. That was it. We couldn't do anything. But um, the sort of areas that we were able to help people with, and particularly locally as well, is that sometimes when it comes to structured property debt, people panic, uh, and and the banks, they're they're very official. Sometimes appointing somebody to deal with it as a a sort of in-between person, a go-between, but a professional trusted advisor makes all the difference, and I think it calms the calms the lenders down uh, and it also um, calms the the actual borrower down as well and it allows them to sort of buy time to work out what it is that strategically that they must do and as long as that kind of all fits in line with the overall objectives of of the bar of the bank um, then you know usually we get the outcome that we want so we just looking forward at the future now the next couple of years I'm hoping it won't be the same situation as as sort of 2008 and I don't think it'll be as severe as that I don't care have been doing this company for so th- it's a relatively recent thing it's like two weeks old at the oh, a whole two yeah. weeks old it's a whole two weeks old and in that time we've already managed to do it so yeah we're, we're already sort of up and running um, and it's operational and it's exciting it feels counterintuitive to be starting a new business at a time when the, uh, the newspapers are talking about Recession and everything sort of rolling backwards, but I think that's very much the name of the game. I think that people have to. Um, the only way to beat a recession is to earn more money, and the only way to do that is to take bold initiatives. And I don't believe now is the time for people to go back to, to sleeping. I think there's going to be a lot of people that will need the help of somebody in, in property that can help them. It might not necessarily be the same old help that we've been used to. We've got very lazy over the last two or three years property market's been absolutely on fire and it's been great um, but we might enter a period where that might be more challenging and so the solutions need to kind of fit new problems and um, yeah so just I, I anticipate that happening um, and wanted to place myself in that space yeah that's quite interesting but so you've got the so you work for two companies and you run one company yeah just with that what the first company that you're now consulting on yeah so it's grown quite a bit I presume since you started yeah so how how was the challenge to go through that um so yeah so when you're when you're growing a business um especially in its early days I think it kind of creeps up on you almost by by accident you don't necessarily know that it's all working and it's doing but it's when you stop to look back at what you've got so you know for instance at, at Normie's when we, we entered that business um, Jeffrey Normie who used to run that business prior to us he was a great sales agent 
um, particularly well known for being a sales agent and it wasn't a business that did any property management whatsoever so we we grew that from zero to you know I believe today they're probably managing in excess of 400 properties so it's a great journey to be able to sort of plot the growth of, of a business like that but also because the business goes through different challenges and different periods of growth so the beginning it's all about cash you cash flow is is likely to be strained because you're pouring in one end and you're hoping it's going to come out the other end like a a sausage machine and and it's you've got to have a certain amount of faith to get through that um that's faith in in your kind of overall mission and the people the team that you're working with i mean i remember in the very early days of our kind of newly created partnership at normally this is going back 11 12 years ago there was a moment where seemingly the guy that was funding it was just pouring money in and, and it, it didn't seem to sort of ever dissipate. Sort of like for half a year, they were just pouring money in. So, so when, you, when you rebrand, if you took a company and you rebrand it, that costs money. And if you upgrade computer systems, it costs money. And if you need to get more personnel on board so that you've got more people to answer the phone so you're delivering a better customer service, that costs money. So everything... I think in the initial stages of, of a business's growth seems to cost money. It seems to be an investment. And it's up to you whether you see it as a cost or an investment. I would argue that if you see it as an investment, you're likely to make it in the long run. If you see it as a cost, then you put the person where their, their glass is always half half empty rather than half full. I think you'll, you'll struggle with it. Um, so initially, I think businesses, they're, they're hungry for money and they eat money. Um, at, at the beginning and then you get to a stage where it sort of reaches a bit of equilibrium and more than that you've got a bit of marketing momentum as well how so long was that period that can be I'd say it's at least a year I'd say it's how at long, least how long was a year. it for you how long was it for you in our, in our business it was um, it was probably about a year yeah about a year and a year and a half before you sort of really see hang on actually you know, it, because also you've got to change the tone of the conversation locally. So if you're entering a marketplace where everybody's used to the same old boards and the same old faces, you introduce something that's slightly different, you need to get that message out there, and that takes time. Um, and you, it's trust as well. People got to trust the people that they're dealing with. So you have to build relationships with people. Um, and like, like we said before, it's probably... The, the, the largest amount of money that anybody will ever handle is likely to be on a property transaction. So, you know, uh, to build trust at that level is hard work. So I think it all takes time. And I think, I think it was at least a couple of years before you can see that sort of, um, that you've made it to the other side of that. And the, and the business has that momentum and the marketing has that momentum because people recognize the brand they recognize you but initially there'll be a period of time where you have to be you know you have to dance at everybody's wedding you have to go to every networking opportunity you have to get up early in the morning go to breakfast meetings with people that you 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 know you've never met before there's loads of stuff that you end up doing by way of promoting and building a business and sometimes that is just also being in the right place at the right time to have those conversations with people so it's, it's an interesting period of time in the growth of a business. I think that what you guys do in terms of sort of branding and marketing, um, it's, it's almost easier to do that today than it was 10 or 11 years ago because 
10 or 11 years ago, the first thing I thought about was changing our newspaper advertising. Today, I don't even know where to buy that newspaper, let alone... Change your proof. (laughs) So, but, 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 you know, online allows you to sort of get a message out there very quickly. And it's got its good and its bad side because sometimes you you react too quickly and you put a message out there that is half-baked and it doesn't work for the... Um, for the audience that you're trying to target, um, but when you get it right, boy, does that does that zing! It just really, really works, um, and, and there's nothing that beats it. And, and in today's day and age of you're good at helping me uh, do some marketing. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> this is the guy you want to talk to. Um, but in the, in today's day and age, where everybody's got a um, a mobile phone with a video camera on it, and you can instantly react to life around you and document it. Uh, there's so much kind of value that you can add and there's so many there's so many ways that you can leverage that attention people are by nature nosy so why did I watch your podcast because I saw a character on it that I thought hang on this is likely to be a bit of a laugh. Let's let's have a look at it. Do we say which character? No, I'm not going to say which character. <laughs> Well-known local character. But when you when you look at it, you know, like that character always delivers. You yeah. know that it doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth. You're going to be vaguely either interested in it or amused by it or, or offended it. by it. Yeah. It's just the way it works. Um, but but that's good. And, you know, for social media, that's amazing because yeah. it was an instant. As soon as I saw that kind of advert, I was instantly drawn to it, and I decided that that's how. I was going to spend the 10 minutes on the toy that was watching your podcast. Okay, if you want to know, that's, that's how it works. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's great. And I think I think it allows you to sort of get into those uh, those characters and the, those conversations. But it, you can do that today. You can do that for zero cost. All you need is, is time. So today, no money has changed hands yet. Um, but, but basically, people will come, they'll tell their story, whether or not, you know that you think that it will have value for them that all works out in, in in the mists of time later on but they they love talking about what they do and they love talking about the the value that they add to life so yeah i think it's it's a great thing yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's very good. <laughs> you, can, you can clip that. We can stop. <laughs> I definitely clip it. I wrote, I wrote down to clip that. I did say. <laughs> of course, we're going to clip that. So everything's for social media. That's going to go elsewhere. <laughs> no, but you, you know what? You look at social media and you look at all the characters you might know from social media. So I don't know. You mentioned on one of your podcasts, uh, Joe Rogan, the king of of podcasts. I'm not sure I agree with everything that he says, but I've watched my fair share of that stuff. Gary Vaynerchuk used to love him at the beginning now got to the point where he sort of irritates me now come back to him again (laughs) successfully my chair yeah I was just saying everybody goes through the same thing with these characters because they are at the beginning it's new and it's fresh and it's the first thing you've ever seen and actually you quite like the fact that this guy is just insulting you to your face you're not working hard I mean Gary Vaynerchuk just fascinated me from start to finish because I was firmly of the belief that this guy is going to be full of BS. There's no way he works as hard as he says he does and there's no way that he, he's as successful as he, he is and still finds time to share everything with everybody else. But it's probably fair to say that the camera can only lie so much and he documents quite a bit of his life. So to the extent that you know that he walks the walk and talks the talk... But he's also a character that you're not going to, you know, it's good for you at a time where you need to be challenged. 
when you get to that point where you've kind of made some changes and you're on your way, that might not be the voice that you want to hear all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but I think that's the, the reason these things work so well is that social media gives a voice to every nutcase with a microphone out there. So if you're looking for a fight, you can go onto Twitter right now, pick a fight with anyone you like. Um, but the world world is interesting, and it's changed tremendously. This never existed properly. Even five years ago, we didn't know, you know, people talking about, yeah, yeah that, you know, WhatsApp is going to be quite disruptive and... and you know, YouTube and and Facebook and Instagram was kind of like a newish sort of thing. Now you've got TikTok, which is just once I fall down a TikTok hole, that's it. I'm gone for hours <laughs> because it's literally gives you content after content, and and it, the algorithm gets gets to know the sort of things that you you may like or even dislike. Sometimes you watch something because. It irritates you, and you just want to know more about and it. Irritated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you it's just kind of name. <laughs> so you 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 end up on on these things, and and yeah, Andrew Tate again. In, in any other sort of time, that yeah. guy would not be a name that any of us would know. He, he yeah. I don't believe he adds a single penny of value to anybody. Sorry, Andrew, but anybody's <laughs> life. But there I am. I'm fascinated by this guy. He's got like half American, half English accent. He's saying things, he doesn't care who he offends, and he's acting like... Crazy things. Just crazy, outrageous stuff. And, and he gets the views as well. Yeah, and he's getting millions. And I know that when he does it, he's doing it because he wants to irritate me <laughs> yeah. so that I will watch it. And he, he's won. He won that conversation. The second you watch it. Yeah. The second yeah. you watch it. So, I, I, you know, I've had the same thing here. Like, you know, if you put yourself out there and you do video content or or stuff then um people will either love you or they'll hate you and i did um so there's a guy called dave portnoy in the states who does those pizza reviews so for for a couple of weeks we thought it would be a good idea we did it locally so we did one at uh, bratman's did one at mozzarella and somewhere else did you give them good reviews or bad reviews it was fairly good reviews you know but they were they were obviously friendly but also quite honest but we were ripping off Dave Portnoy 100% we turned it into a bagel review and we, we did that um, and pe- lots of people said to me you know what tell me what, why is an estate agent bothering doing these these things and the more and more people ask you that that's the reason you're doing it it's so that you can be that guy from that that bagel conversation and then they end up saying now whilst you're here let me talk to you about my mum's house and you and you know and that's how that's how business is done i think you need to be creative in order to get eyes on your content um i love what you guys are doing and i love kind of like what your generation's doing with this content particularly for sort of religious people it's really interesting to me because growing up so I went broadly speaking similar sort of lines to your dad we were in the same sort of school and it was quite at the time quite a quite a religious school I was probably the least religious guy in the school but I was the token guy um, but um, what's interesting is that a lot of media is is forbidden you know you shouldn't be back in those days it's TVs and videos we didn't have DVDs or anything like that but I think today you can't really cut kids off from media 
they're producing media, they're consuming media at such a massive rate that, yes, we have to be careful with the conversations that they're entering into. But I think harnessed correctly, it, it allows them to sort of spread their wings and do tremendous things. I think you can grow businesses tremendously well with, with video and, and, and marketing, in, in online marketing in general. And I, and I love the fact that, particularly on LinkedIn, so um, somebody like Harrison... You came on the podcast. Yeah, so like Harrison's great. I mean, Harrison is, to me, what makes him different is, um, is that it's, it's humorous. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't bother doing it just, just purely to get people to buy stuff off him. In fact, very often, you'll watch 10 of Harrison's videos and not really know what it is that he does. But what you will know is you sort of like this guy. Yeah. Um, he's, he's personable. He seems to have his head screwed on. He's quite funny. And I think people sometimes, sometimes equate humour with a certain level of, a, of intelligence as well. And trust, you like the person. And I think that is, I think it's great content. But I also, when I log into LinkedIn these days, I see that it is kind of, it is the platform of choice for sort of from Jewish boys who are looking to, and girls looking to do business in, in a new modern world. They are embracing it. They're doing video content. There's that, that dude in... Uh, in Stamford Hill, the guy that's the architect. Um, you ever watched him? A guy called is it Yoli or something? Not sure. You need yeah. to check him out. You'll check. You'll find him on on LinkedIn. But basically, he's a, a larger than life chassid. He speaks with a very heavy accent. Clearly, English is not his his first choice of language. He'd be more comfortable with Yiddish. But this guy is out there marketing his business to everybody that knows about it. Um, and he's a, a controversial character. He'll say things that, that are designed to just get him airtime. It draws people to you, though. It, it does, it does. I think, look, I'd, I'd much rather draw people to me by um, being more humorous than I would be by offending them. I don't think we you stand to have a great conversation by offending them. And all you'll do is by... by offending people is you'll draw to you people that like offending other people and live their life in such a way that your client relationship with them is going to be an absolute nightmare. And how I look at it with people like Andrew Tate, they, um, I mean, it's a good sense of marketing. You, you say controversial things, it gets recommended to a lot of people, a lot of people see it. 99% of people won't like it, but there'll be that 1% that will like it. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, you've got yeah. more clients. But like I said, how it, it, personable can it, it be? It depends whether or not you, you, know, you, you want to work for that 1% of all of those people. Or do you rather have less people looking at you if all of them love you? So you, you can buy, look, to buy eyes is, is by being controversial is, is very easy. Um, it's not necessarily clever though. And I think that's really also, they don't teach this to you in, in any kind of business school, but there is a sense that if you've done business with people for long enough, um, one of the things you'll hear very established people say is, uh, they, they may say to you, I've got to the stage where I can choose the bits of business that I want and I can choose which bits of business to turn away. And whereas I believe in the initial growth phase of a business, most people just have whatever they can get in terms of business and they don't think about turning anyone away, you will also get to the stage where you'll recognise what a bad customer looks like and somebody who you're destined not to, to get along with. There's a science behind it. So there's a guy 
who you should have on here as a guest, a guy called Ashley Baroda, lives locally in, uh, in, in Whitefield. And he is part of this system, they call it IAMS. So basically there are four colours. Um, there's, there's yellow, there's red, there's greens, and there's blues. And using this system, he reckons you can tell um, exactly who the right match is in terms of choosing your client. Um, who who you're going to work best with? Well, so different people need different messages. So they take be- before they come in. They take a personality test. So they could take a very brief personality test. Um, but once you kind of learn this stuff, you do get to spot them at a very early stage. So uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, estate agents are great. They, they call them high yellows because we we are. Salespeople were very affable. We like to sort of make people laugh. We want to have conversations with people. We don't mind giving you time, even if there's not an immediate payoff. So salespeople generally all fall into that kind of yellow category. There's a red category, and they are like CEOs of, of companies, like people like um, like Elon Musk or even Gary Vaynerchuk. It's probably more red than he is yellow. These are guys that just want to see the bottom line. They don't want to listen to you talk about your business relationship for an hour. They just want to know what is it that you can do for them. So in property terms, it would be how much is my house? How much are you going to charge me? Get out of the room after that. And so those are people that are usually quite bombastic. They, they don't have much give. And to sort of enter into a business relationship with those kind of people you need to have accepted from day one that they're going to be a, not necessarily the highest maintenance, but you're going to need to be very clear with them. There's no room for wooliness. They need you to deliver. They need results. Um, there are sort of uh, the, the greens and the blues are more sort of analytical people. Um, a blue and a yellow are very, very similar, but they, they need trust. Blues don't trust anybody. So they, they don't... Has the system ever been... It, it's yeah, it's 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 been tested. It's quite. It, there's a sign. So it's not a new system. Though, it's not it? necessarily a new system, but I think it's interesting when you kind of adapt it into your way of thinking. Really, it kind of mirrors what we all do in life anyway. So they say that people buy people, and that if you want to sell to somebody or get into a business conversation with somebody, you need to you need to sort of mirror their behaviour as well. Uh, so we all subconsciously do this a little bit. But I think it's also good sometimes to know that actually you'll have a client every once in a while where all your alarm bells will ring and it'll tell you this, it sounds amazing, but this guy or girl is going to be absolutely bad news and you're going to be stuck. What would you do with someone like that? It depends. It depends where you are. Highly so recommend them. To recommend them to one of your best friends. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I have done that before. I've called up some people and I've said, look, I've got to tell you, this guy is not for me. You might be able to deal with him. But to me, it's an absolute hospital pass. You either, you know, if, if you take it, you take it with my blessing, but don't come back to me with it afterwards. Um, so you can do that. You can offer the business around. but um, Or you can just be really sort of honest with the person and say, look, I just don't think we're going to be able to to work well together, that what they expect, you know, most of a business relationship, certainly where you are, if you're not selling a product off a shelf, so if somebody's not coming in here to buy this bottle of water, but they're coming in to buy a service from me, they they will need to, to see some sort of value out of that transaction. If you don't work well together, then they're never going to be satisfied. So I think in the service industry, 
really key that you kind of spot that very early on and just explain. Uh, some people just price themselves out, out of it. So they'll turn around to the client and, and never tell them that they don't want to work with them. They'll say, yes, absolutely. By the way, did you know my fees are 4% instead of 1%? And then all of a sudden you've lost a client. And, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just too expensive. So there are different ways of doing it, but the, the honesty is probably the best way to do it. And just to say, look, I don't think I'm, I'm the agent for you or, or, or whatever it is that you do. You're not the person for them. Um, I think that's fair enough, but there is there's a, a lot of skill in kind of learning how to spot that at that initial conversation. Is that from experience? It comes with experience. Yeah, yeah, it'll come from with experience. And if your if your customer journey is built in a certain way, you can gauge who you're dealing with from the minute the phone rings. So when they ring, it's what are they asking for? Are they asking, you know? Are they the kind of customer that calls for an argument's sake and, and they start off by saying, listen, I just have to tell you, I've never sold a house before. This is the first time I'm doing it. So I don't really know what I'm after, but I think I need somebody to come and tell me how much the house is worth. Is that something that you guys do? And you can tell those are, are that's quite genuine. When you've got somebody who just calls and says, right, I need somebody to come and value my house. It needs to be Tuesday, two o'clock. That's the only time that I've got then you know also conversely who you're dealing with. So I think you need to sort of spot all of these things. It's how you bring them all together. Um, and, and ultimately, look, life is all about relationships. And if you get a feeling in a, in a, a personal relationship, that might be a friendship, it might be a marriage, it might be a, a business relationship, if you feel that that is a one-sided thing and it's never going to work, then I think you need to kind of walk away from it early on and not waste your time with it. But it's something, gosh, it takes time. I've, de- I've dealt with my fair share of clients that I shouldn't have taken on and I should have learned that lesson early on. But I think it only comes with experience. Do you have any uh, weird stories for us in the prop- that happened in the property industry? <laughs> weird stories. Um, well, look, the property industry is, is very, very weird. Um, and it's weird because we get to deal with the full gamut of human life in every, in all its glory. And sometimes that's not so great and sometimes it's amazing. So um, once I turned up for a, a valuation at house and in the notes it had written, um, they, they put little notes just to let me know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And one of these notes said, possible probate valuation. Which made me giggle because you can, you know, probate is, probate basically comes when somebody has lost their, their life and you're dealing with usually a deceased parent or a grandparent and you meet the family members in, the, in those cases. They're normally quite emotional. It's very often a house that they've grown up in and it represents every bit of memory that they had of their childhood. So it can be very, very traumatic. Um, and so you have to be really, really sort of sensitive with how you deal with it. You, you can't just approach it like anything else. You need to sort of kind of listen to what they've got to say and really be as sensitive as possible. So I go in there trying to be as, as sensitive as I possibly can. And, um, and, and the guy says to me, yes, so you'll be able to prepare a probate valuation for me. I said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. It's a standard letter. That's what we do. Um, so um, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear of your loss. And uh, the guy said, "Oh, oh no, no, she's upstairs." 
And I was like, sorry? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mum's upstairs in the back room. You can't go in there. She's not very well at the moment, but we will be needing a probate evaluation. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> Talk about kind of getting ahead of the game. So you, you can... There are all these sort of, like, situations in life where you meet people where uh, things are just... Uh, they, they're deeply humorous and very, very com- comedic. When when you tell it back, but it's you you have to appreciate that. I think they were trying to get a cheaper price. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to do. And you know what? Genuinely, um, you know, I, I made a mistake the other day. I sent somebody. Um, so I, I think it's probably fair to say that the majority of people that I've dealt with when it comes to bereavements and stuff, they tend to be because of the community I come from and work within tend to be Jewish so I'm very familiar with how our mourning process works and, and what we say and when we say it um, so that's that's good but um, with um, non-Jewish funerals I get a little bit kind of I, I lose my ba- my bearings because I've not had that much experience of it so normally um, the, the nice thing to do is to send a, a, a bereavement card which doesn't exist in our world you, if you sent one to somebody they'd be like what's this but um, you know there are cards you can buy that, so I heard from uh, that uh, somebody that I knew had lost their mother um, and how did I know this because the lady had knocked on my door and she said look can you make sure that they get this card I've dropped into them because they've just lost their mother. So I said, right, fine. I went out to Sainsbury's and I bought my own bereavement card, wrote it to them, and I knocked on their door, handed it to them. The woman's not dead yet either. So, you know, the, the guy turned around to me and said, look, I'm very sorry, but you've been misinformed. So that, it, it can happen, but where these things happen totally by accident and, and they're less funny in that way, but what was interesting about that conversation that I had with the guy was he said, look, I just want to thank you anyway for your kind words. My mother's not very well. And what would actually help us as a family is to start to deal with what we're going to have to do because people, when they're, they're plunged into... And, and that's why our kind of shiver process is, is tremendously well thought through. It's a process. It's like a prescription. This is what you're going to be doing for the next seven days. This is where you're going to sit, how you're going to sit. This is what, what people are going to come and say to you. This is what you're going to respond. Everybody knows what they've got to be doing. And that's actually very part and parcel of these very difficult times is to be able to cope with it. So some people, their way of coping with life is to get on with what they see as like an administrative task. So it's not quite as emotional for them, but it helps them sort of get... To, to where they need to. And and we we need to sort of appreciate that that's some at some point that's where we come into the picture. Yeah, that's quite Is a state agency as a whole a good job? Um I would say it's a it's a great job. I wish it was I wish it was a more considered career choice by younger people. Um I wish they felt that it was value you know, as valuable as being a solicitor or an accountant or But is it not because of what you mentioned before about the statistics of the negative I think attitude towards them. I think the fact that you can walk into a state agency with no prior experience and still do it, so there's no barrier to entry at all, is part of it. It gives people the impression that actually if you wanted to, anybody could open up as an agent tomorrow all they have to be is, is good salespeople and there's probably a little bit more to it than that 
uh, I'd like to think a lot more to it. Um, but it, it can be a very great profession if you enjoy helping people, if you enjoy talking to people, and you've got the patience, because you will need it, to listen to people and hear what it is that they're actually saying in that conversation, what they're asking for, because very often what they say and what they're asking for are two completely different things, and you need to work out where you fit into that conversation. Um, I, I think it's tremendously rewarding. It can be rewarding financially as well, but that's not the main reason for for embarking on that career, but it, it, it can be for some people. Yeah, uh, you mentioned before about your third business, which you know, was founded many, many years ago. Yes. All two weeks ago. Just, just 14 days ago. <laughs> uh, what's your plan to make to grow that? Also? So that that's probably a bit more of a niche business because it, it, it's not something for everybody. Um, but really where I would start with that is to talk to um, you know smaller insolvency practitioners, people that are helping people at, at difficult times um, where property is part of that story. Um, it may be accountants, it may be solicitors, it may even be probate cases, um, but it, that's how you need to sort of go about building that business is to get into those networks of people. You can't compete with bigger businesses and I don't think there's any point in sort of going head to head with from day one with the main ones. Um, I, but I think there is room for a business in that space that is ethical, um, that handles unpleasant things with a bit of dignity and, and respect and, and I think that, that can work, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and what do you think? Yeah, it's very interesting. I think that's a great way to end. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, David, for coming. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. That was, that was a great podcast. I really enjoyed that. Thank you.